Can I tell you something about the Word of God? You can hear it and not apply it. You'll never get what He spoke. That's why it's so, so important when you have a prophetic word spoken over you and you, you begin to meditate on that word and you check it against God's word and you move towards that word. Because if you just shelf the word, the word don't work unless you work the word. It's that simple. It's just that simple. So, don't be so quick to just do away with the word without having put some water to it, put some fertilizer to it, and to help it grow. Now, see, I get distracted easy. It's like squirrels. They, 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 they come and they just distract you. I'm glad you don't distract God. If you got your Bibles. Turn to Joshua, chapter 1, verse 11. I want to share with you this morning. And uh, I share from a place of passion with this verse. And I want to tell you how powerful God's word is when you are available. When you are available to hear what it is that he speaks. Back in 2010, I was sitting in a tree that Tommy calls accursed. And he won't even go that direction to hunt. But I was sitting in a tree hunting in 2010 in November, the middle portion of November, first week of rifle season. And as we always do, we get there way before daily break and we're sitting in the tree. Woods are quiet. There's nothing else to do except look at your phone so the deer can see your bright light and everything so they know where you're at so they walk away from you. Man, we're so stupid, ain't we? <laughs> so I decided that morning I opened up my phone and I went straight to Joshua 1 and I just began reading. And I get to this verse. I've never read Joshua the way I read Joshua now. I've never read it as a prophetic book. 
I've always read it for guidance, for mentorship, for discipleship. Now I read it totally different. But this verse came up and I began to read it, pass through the camp and command the people saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. I tried to go to verse 12, and God put me back at verse 11 again. And I read it one more time. And as I began to read it, I began to weep. And then I began to cry, sort of uncontrollably. Enough so that I had to text Tommy and say, uh, I got to go. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I think I've been called to preach. And I left the woods. I love to hunt. First day of rifle season? Man, are you kidding me? Can't just wait? Give me at least today, you know? Talk to me tonight about this. Little did I know, January of 2011, Debbie and I would be on a journey what we would look back through now and almost consider it a journey through hell to be where we are. But nonetheless, there was a promise. And this was our promise. God's given you a lot. You've just yet to go take it. Because you've not gone to take it, what he's given you seems to dim over time. Eventually, you put it in a footlocker at the end of your bed or in the attic, locked up with the rest of your stuff. And that's not God's plan. Well, Pastor, it hadn't come. It's not God's plan. I didn't take this so literal with the three days, but I very much so took it literal enough to say to whom I was speaking with, this is a very short period of time. I was scared. I didn't want to preach. It's not what I was after. I didn't chase preaching growing up. I ran from God growing up. And hear the promise. Now Debbie and I were seeking God at this point. And we wanted to do whatever God is, God wanted us to do. We served every moment that we had to serve without complaint. 
we just served. May not have been what we wanted to do at the moment, but we served. So this morning, what I want to give you out of this is what I've been taught. That when God gives you a promise, immediately, there's a problem. Why? So that Satan, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but many of you think that Satan comes to steal the promise. Can I tell you something? He ain't bad enough. Satan didn't take your promise. He can't. If you tell me that Satan stole your promise, you're lying and the love of God ain't in you. Because you're telling me that Satan is above God. Because God says that whatever I spoke, will I not do? See, we got to understand something about the promise. First and foremost, what we need to understand about a promise is who give it. <laughs> Just tuck your feet. Just pull them underneath your feet, underneath your seat real quick. Because, See, there are some that will come to me and say, Hey, I promise, and boy, they lie like the devil himself. Because they know, they know in their heart, they ain't about to even come close to fulfilling that promise. They give you that false hope, and you held on. So, oh, that's why, that's why it's hard for us to believe God's word, because we've based what God says on what other people say. Because other people have said and let us down and turned their back and walked away and done this and done that. We believe that that to be true with God when God says, well, that promise, it ain't for me. I know it ain't. Well, it hasn't happened up to this point, so I know it's never going to happen. See, so we begin to just wane. We turn our hope from him to what we can make happen. I'll show you this all in Scripture. You just, you, I promise you, if you'll open up this morning, I know you're tired. I, I know you might be un, un, uneasy and don't want to sit and you're wor worried about the new house. <laughs> I know there's all kinds of things in life right now that can deter you and, and cause your mind to float away. I beg you this morning to attach yourself to this word because some of you need it. We need to know who give the promise. Let me, let me tell you who give the promise. First Thessalonians, and Tommy, you don't have to flip to every one of these. It depends on how fast you want to do it, but I'm just, I'm hitting them and going. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he 
not make it good? Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Tommy, I may have messed you up a little bit. This might have come out of ESV. Is that the right wording? I'm not seeing it up there. I'm just reading it off of here. Um, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-9 puts it like this. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Past tense. So that you come short in no gift. <laughs> Didn't want to preach on that. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the one that has given you the promise. See, he's got credentials. His resume is strong. It's at the top of the pack, day in and day out. If God said it, believe it. It's like that one crazy guy on Facebook. He says somebody bleed that. Keep forgetting his name, but he's there. See, God understands that we struggle with a finite mind of humanity, which causes me to believe that he knows we need a promise in order to endure troubled times. <laughs> he knows you and your weak little ways. He understands that your mind can't wrap around the goodness of God. You, can't, you cannot get your arms wrapped around the idea of grace. We, we don't, I love to preach on grace. Man, I love to preach on grace. We'll never get to the bottom. We'll, we'll never understand the grace of God, ever. Some of you are going to get to heaven, and grace is going to look you in the face, and you're going to go, I don't understand. And you, you're there, and you still don't understand the grace of God, how somebody, Charlie, like Lisa, ended up set beside you at the table. God's going <laughs> to, Charlie's going to say, ain't the grace of God something I gotta keep you loud. I gotta keep you. I gotta stay with me. But he knew. He knew coming in that the only way. See, he can't just say, "Okay, go, go take care of this." See, it's like your children. First thing you do is give them a promise. Nine times out of ten, all you good parenting parents. Nine times out of ten, you give them a promise. If you don't do what I tell you. Huh? I promise you. I, I, you what, what are you doing? You're giving them a little influence. 
You, you're, giving them, you're giving them some encouragement along the way that they walk out what it is that you've asked them to do. God's the same way. God said, if your father on earth will do all this, how much greater will I do? See, oh, <laughs> I don't know necessarily, but, but he'll spank you too. And he actually promises that too. He said, those that I love, I chasten. So he, he going to do that too. I love God. Well, he makes it all work together. He's so much better than I am, man. Whew. He knew that if we didn't have something to focus on, if we didn't have something to remind us along the way, the first hiccup, the first bad thing, the first problem, we would be distracted and we would turn away. And possibly lose hope in the promise. I wonder who can recall a point in their life where they believe God has given you a promise. And it's because of that promise that you've come as far as you have. Have any of you, I mean, think about it for a minute. Have, have you made it, not by the grace of God, by the promise have you made it this far by the promise or have you been like me in some cases and it's been by the grace? <laughs> Come on, church. See, all of you think you're just too holy. Let me tell you something. You've all walked away from the promise of God. You've all put the promise of God on the back seat. You've all shut the bus on the door in the face of promise. You've, you've all left that promise at one time or another in your life. But it was the grace of God but see there are some that still hold to a promise God spoke something and it was spoken in such a way that it was so distinct you, you knew for a fact that it was daddy having his Bedside conversation. You're one-on-one. You're father to daughter. You're father to son. You're mother to daughter. You're mother to son because you know he's a spirit, right? And notice that word. So there's no gender. So I got to be gender specific. If there was ever a time that we would ever deny gender, we should be denying it with God and not, never mind, with humanity. Anyway, we got a bunch of idiots I mean, they're trying to pass bills to remove. Oh, I'm going. Going to try to pass a bill to remove father from the home. And are you kidding me? Some of my. He's given you a promise. We're talking about God. God give you the promise. Do you trust Him? 
Can you really say without, without everything around, can you really honestly put God in the middle of your trust? That no matter what happens, no matter what takes, you trust the word of God. He told you, he spoke it to you, you believe him with everything in you. Your friends are not going to persuade you. Matter of fact, they'll leave you before they'll persuade you. Because they can't comprehend. People don't know when God speaks. God moves you when he speaks to you. There's something about your inner man. You can be on one level in your life with your walk of faith. And God will speak to you. And it will cause you to elevate. He will increase your faith. He will increase your trust. He has to because you can't accept. You can't accept what it is that he said because it's so far over your head. He got to get you up there to it. Here's the issue with the promise. The second thing that we have to understand when we're given a promise from God, there's a problem that's going to, that is coming. Most cases, it's right around the corner. If not all cases, it's just outside the door. But you just got a promise. Then here comes the problem. Now don't go getting this wrong because... Like I said a second ago, the, the enemy cannot take your promise from you. If God spoke the promise, the promise is fulfilled. He's just waiting on you to receive it. But what the enemy will do to you is present you with a problem. So what's the purpose of the problem? If it's not to steal my promise, what's the purpose of the problem? It's to destroy your faith in the promise. Come on, can I take you? Let me, can I give you just a couple? See, the, the, the enemy knows that he can't override God. See, he's smart enough to know that. He knows he can't override it, and he knows whatever God spoke, he, he, can't, he can't alter. He can't, he can't turn it. He can't change it. He can't take it away. It's, it's in stone. It's there. It is eternal. When God speaks, it's eternal. That's how powerful his... It's eternal, Don, because he said... In Genesis, let there be, you fill in the blank, and it's been ever since. <laughs> How many times y'all heard me say this? That's one bad dude. I'm telling you, God is on his game. No, God ain't on his game. God is the game. But I'm just, listen to me. The enemy can't steal your promise. Whatever it was, he cannot take it. So don't, 
Don't go fighting for the promise. Listen to what happened. God told Abraham, y'all remember this story, when God told Abraham that you and Sarah, I would give a seed. I would, you would birth a child. I'm going to make you a father of many nations, right? I'm, I'm giving you a child, you and Sarah. Y'all remember that, right? What happened over time? Lost focus. They began to different direction. Man, it, it, got, it got so bad that they said, well, <laughs> father's the, or Abraham's the father of our faith, right? They always pin that on him, right? Man, what a load to carry. How would you like to think that you would have been? See, you don't want to live in Bible times. I mean, God put the mantle God put the mantle on him that would have broke my back. But he said, you're the father of our faith. He, he's, he's the father of our faith. So God trusted that he had faith. He had faith in God, and he had faith in God's promise. The problem was he didn't have faith in the process. Uh-oh. He didn't have faith in the process. So what they done was took it into their own hands. See, I don't know about the rest of your women, but I know about mine. Mine ain't about to say. Just go get with my maid servant. We call it a day. <laughs> ain't happening. Matter of fact, she could be going. Look, I don't want to give him no crazy ideas. I'm just going to go over and take her out. <laughs> you got to go. They took the promise into their own hands. Well, lo and behold, what thought to be the promise came alive. Abraham loved his son. So much so, man, he didn't even want to get rid of him. When God told him that you put him out, he the love for his son was so astounding that God told Abraham, I'll still bless him. Read the, read the word. Abraham loved his son, but they had to go. It wasn't the promise. The promise was between Abraham The promise between you and God, who else are you putting in the picture? Are you letting man interrupt the promise by telling you who you are and who you aren't, where you should be and where you're not, how you're going to get there or how you'll never be there? Are you hanging on to the promises? What you don't understand is when you take on the accountability of the promise, you now are responsible for what comes of it. Ishmael is known to Islam as a patriarch. Do you hear me? Islam was a man's generated promise. 
falsehood. Incorrect doctrine. Do you not know that there are still strife among those that claim their, their father to be Isaac and those that claim their father to be Ishmael? If you didn't know, just watch the news every once in a while. Just listen. I mean, you know Islam and Christianity does not mix. Look what happens if you play with the promises of God and you try taking control. What a problem that'll be. Let me give you another example. Can I, let's talk about Peter for a second. When Jesus went to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan's asked for you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to put you through some stuff. Jesus said, I pray for you, I prayed for you, that your faith not fail. Now listen, this comes right after the promise that God had given His disciples and said, just as the Father has given me a kingdom, I give to you that you can sit at the table with me and the thrones and judge the twelve tribes. Right, out, right after this promise, there's a problem. Uh-oh. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't that Jesus was worried about Peter losing, losing the promise. He knew the promise wasn't good. The promise was sustained. He was worried that Peter would lose the faith. So when you're entering into a problem, look at it this way. You'll be able to attack it differently. He's not after your promise. He's after your faith. He can't steal the promise. So the, with us knowing that he can't steal the promise, that should give us even more energy. That should give us even more hope. Because even the enemy knows that he can't take the promise from us. So why are we allowing the enemy to come in and destroy There's always a promise followed by a problem. So God sometimes has to put us through a process in the midst of our problems. See, y'all know the scripture that God uses the things that are meant for bad, make them good, right? So these problems that the enemy tries to instill, just my crazy thinking, okay? I'm not asking you to think my way. I'm just asking you to think. What if the problem that Satan introduces, God says, I've already got something bigger planned and this problem ain't going to do nothing but help increase the faith and the hope for the next promise that I'm getting about to give. So Satan, come on. <laughs> See, God, God has more faith in you than you have in Him. If He didn't, you probably will. God doesn't 
give us a promise without already having put in place a process to make it through the problem. I mean, do we really think God's that far behind the eight ball? Do we think that God for one second is about to give a promise that he knows can't come to pass? And he already knows how you can get there. He's already got the road way to you to get there. He already knows what you're going to have to go through. He already knows what you're going to have to correct. He already knows what you're going to have to do in order to receive it. He's already putting you through the process. He already knows everything's lined out for you. It's already there. He already knows the next step. He's the best chess player in the world. The enemy can't move a pawn without him already knowing where the queen's going next. He, he can't do that. God knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing with you and I. We have to trust him with our life. We have to put our life in his hand where nobody can snatch us out. God's not only faithful to give you a promise, but he is faithful to lay out before you warning signs along the way. He gave Joshua this promise, and he's basically repeating himself because he'd already given Abraham the promise. And the Israelites are having to go through a process, and they're facing problems along the way. And some of the problems are self inflicted but God goes and he tells Joshua that I want you to prepare your stuff and I want you to go and possess the land that I've given you to possess well the first the first problem we have is we got to cross the Jordan <laughs> there's the first problem but God gave him warning signs about everything God said and this was in chapter 3 verse 4 I think where, where God told him he said now, you've not gone this way before. Man, he's forewarning us. See, where God is about to take us, we've not been. So who are you to say, well, this is what I need to do or this is what I need to be doing? Why aren't you asking God? Because you've not been this way before. See, there was also a process within this process that God called Joshua to Goshen and I think it was Goshen, and, and he circumcised them again for the second time. When I read that, this is what I heard. Just because God tolerated it in the wilderness doesn't mean he's going to tolerate it in the promise. See, there's going to be things, uh-oh. It's part of our sanctification. There are things in our lives that we're going to have to cut away before we enter into the promise. You can't take, you can't take the bad into the good. He pulls Joshua to the side and said, look, man, they might, not have been, they might not have been paying attention back then, but I'm here to tell you, son, you're getting ready to walk into the promise, so you're going to do it now. I don't care if they are 50 or 100 or 150. Get a flint knife, man. Why couldn't he come like a, something better than a flint knife? I don't think you can sharpen a flint knife sharp enough. And I just want to be the first one in line. That's all I can tell you. So when God sets up a promise for you, know that it's going to look, know, know that it's not going to look like it always has looked. How do you know I'm getting close to a promise? 
things look differently. They're not as we expect them to look. You're not going to recognize certain things as you would suppose. I wonder how many of you are passing through some of this process right now. It doesn't appear to be the promise. Boy, it don't appear to be the promise. Secondly, he talks to them about the circumcision. We already passed by that. A promise brings with it. Here's the tough part. This might sting. A promise brings with it a responsibility and an accountability to change. Oh, man, come on, y'all, we're jumping for a promise. I mean, the promise is, woo-hoo, we ready to go, we fight. Well, that's how y'all sound right now, anyway. Woo-hoo, yes. Just because he let you away with it last year, don't mean he's going to let you away with it this year. Give it time to set in. What did you do last year? You know, you ain't supposed to be doing. Still believe the promise? You better change something this year. Just because you were able to come through last year, it's not a guarantee that you go come through this year. Some of us have went through last season and our promise that was meant for then was pushed back because we were not yet ready to receive it due to something God requires of us and we've yet to do it. God didn't lie to you. You cheated him. His promise is still good. Till the end of days, his promise is still good. <laughs> and he brought me to the provision. Joshua 6, verse 1. says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Can I tell you that your promise will stay shut up because of you? And it wasn't in a bad, that wasn't in a bad sense. It was shut up because they had already heard what God was doing for them. 
And Jericho said, now nah, shut the doors, baby. So the enemy's already heard what God's doing for you. And he's surrounding your promise. It's all shut up. And that's what you see. It's just another problem. It's just part of the process. Man, you're that close. How many of us have ever walked up that close to our promise? And because of what we've seen, we let it go. Give up hope. Because it don't look like what I thought it was supposed to look like when you told me about it. See, sometimes we say we got a vision from God on certain things, and the only thing God does was spoke a promise, and we took that promise and we put it in our little finite mind, and we started to swash it around. And in our mind, we created a picture. That's why we get confused, because we use this to get the vision. And all we done was heard a word. And now we're supposed to be seeing, and we ain't seeing. Maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is the promise. Exactly. You don't know. Maybe. Joshua 6, 15 through 16 said, But it came... But it came to pass on the seventh day. It came at the time of completion. The promise was made tangible. Here's my provision. It came to pass at the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner come on don't you know that you would have give up a long time ago how many of you still marching around your promise or how many of you have taken a sabbatical come on church we want to blame god it ain't happened fast enough it ain't happened the way we want to Church ain't big enough. Church don't have enough. Church not. Church, 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 church. What about you, 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 you? Because God ain't changed. Oh, don't you know that you have more capacity in you than you're utilizing? Don't you? Okay, let me help you. If I was to have told you back in 2000 that in 2020 how many of you would have thought you'd have made it through it? Hmm? Separated from family, going through a pandemic. Idiocracy. How many of you thought you would have made it? See, we don't know the capacity that we carry until we're pressed in the moment. You don't really know what you're made of until you're put in the wine press. 
You don't know the goodness of the wine, Lord Jesus. You don't know the goodness of the wine until the grape's been pressed. What the olive was so important for wasn't able to be seen until it went through the press. Your capacity is greater than you can imagine. What was the prayer? Expand my territory, increase my territory. He knew he had capacity. Some of you scared. Y'all won't pray that prayer. Now I got enough on my plate. <laughs> you don't know what you can take until it's been given. Some of you selling yourself short, baby. You got so much more in you. There's so much more on the inside. And until you're put through the process, you're going to know what you can contain. You're going to have a clue. Joshua 6.20, I'm sorry I am boring you. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. I'm not going to count the three days of preparation that God gave Joshua because Joshua moved immediately. He done in three days what Moses couldn't do in 40 years. But he couldn't have done it without the people doing it too. So I want to challenge you. How many more years are you going to wander in the wilderness? How many, how many more times are you going to try to enter into the promise dirty? How many more trips you want to make around the wall before you shout? If we keep looking at our problem, it ain't going to change. What you looked at yesterday is still the same today. It's there. So what are you going to do? The promise, the problem, the process, the provision. God is methodical. puts his stuff in order. 
It's in place. And we will continue to fight it. I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. But I want to live a second life in homosexuality. You going to try to enter into a promise dirty? Yeah, I said it. Don't care. It's all over the church. But they got such a good voice. They need to lead praise and worship. No, they need to be saved. They need to come out from among the world. They need to separate themselves and set themselves apart for the use that God has already given them the ability and the talents to do. Because see, just because somebody can sing, that only gives them a talent. That doesn't give them an anointing. A canary can fly. It doesn't make it an eagle. 